Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 115 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we're talking all about antioxidants. We talk about them all the time, like, oh, blueberries and red wine have antioxidants, or this face cream fights free radicals. But I think if we literally stopped like 10 people on the street or asked our husbands to define them, um, we'd be surprised. I know. We'd get really interesting answers. But I think nobody really would know what we're talking about here. Definitely not our husbands, because I think last time we asked Byron where the adrenals were, he pointed to his thyroid. He did. (laughs) He did. Yep. So (laughs) antioxidants, I think we should actually Uh not only bring them on here for a fun episode, but, and just ask them health questions, but yeah. Um, (laughs) Fake news though. You can can only bring the horse to the water and just tell them what to drink, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Force the water in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much. So yeah, I'm super excited to talk about antioxidants today because we always talk about how they're good for us. But today we're going to nerd out hard, talk about mechanisms of action and really how they work as well as the best sources for you to upregulate your antioxidant function. So let's do it, girl. Yeah. So let's start off with the big question. What exactly are antioxidants? Give us a layman's definition. And I love the visual that you always use to explain this and kind of conceptualize it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my standard like lecturing content pieces. <laughs> so, antioxidants are in the simplistic terms compounds that stop or delay damage to cells and they're capable of inhibiting oxidation. So, they are typically found in plants, but they're also found in animal products and some of them actually are produced endogenously or within our own body. And in the sense of warding off damage, they also play a role of cleaning up waste products in the cells before they can do damage to the body. So one of my best visualizations is, you know, if you take a sliced avocado or apple for that factor, and you leave it on the countertop for an hour or so, or you come back the next day for certain, you're going to see browning on the surface. That is an exact example of oxidative damage. So the oxygen in the environment that it's exposed to um, starts to create damage on a cellular level. Um, And if you took lime juice to that avocado, like in the sense of guacamole, or you add lemon juice to your apple slices for your kiddo's lunch, that's adding ascorbic acid or vitamin C, and that's going to protect the surface from oxidative damage and working as an antioxidant. I think that's an awesome visual for most folks because most of us, if we're experiencing a real food lifestyle, we've experienced that at some point, right? Brown guacamole or brown apple. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that literally mechanism of that antioxidant preventing that browning helps us all the way down to the level of our DNA. 
Awesome. So what are some of just the quick and dirty, I know there are so many and we'll get into it, but some of the quick uh, benefits of antioxidants that we think of? Well, like I think you mentioned in the intro, anti-aging is probably the the best known <laughs> market, if you will, for the benefit of antioxidants because, you know, on application, like a lot of skin serums, right, are going to have like vitamin C serum, not only for collagen, but also because of that antioxidant. So we see slower signs of aging in the skin, but we also see slower signs of aging as we'll get into in like cataracts and eye health and other tissues, including joints the heart and the brain. So slower breakdown essentially and slower aging process. We see in that sense, the other end of the spectrum, healthier hair and skin and nails. We also see reduced uh, cancer risk with antioxidant capacity. We see detox support kind of living along that vein. We tend to see a lot of studies that look at a higher or longer lifespan, um, better life expectancy and quality of life, as well as lower disease risk pretty kind of broad spectrum there, but antioxidants just are so multifaceted. And with heart disease, we see protection against heart disease and stroke. We can see, which is a huge risk factor for death, of course. And then we see with dementia, which we talked about a little bit in episode 110 and 112 of the podcast, uh, lower risk for cognitive decline. And that's where we definitely see that association of coenzyme Q10 as an antioxidant. And then, as I mentioned, with eyes, we can see um, lower breakdown on macular degeneration beyond cataracts. Awesome. So back to discussion of antioxidants and waste products that they're they're helping to kind of clean up. Um, we might know these by the name of free radicals. So let's also define what free radicals are, and we can go back to like chemistry 101 okay. if we need to. <laughs> if you took it. Yeah. So free radicals are basically highly reactive compounds that are able to bind to normal cells in the body, like actually the strands of DNA and cause damage because they have an unpaired valence electron and that makes them unstable. So antioxidants come in and donate an electron to stabilize or reduce that free radical. And then antioxidants can also upregulate the Uh, excretion pathways of these free radicals. So first they stabilize or basically shut them down and then they can actually help to get them out of the body. So free radicals can come from environmental toxins like smoking cigarettes is a known one that you'd directly be doing within your body or even being uh, exposed to secondhand smoke as well as environmental toxins in our air pollutants. Um, They can come also from normal metabolic and energy processes, especially individuals that are like high aerobic exercisers, they're going through higher oxidative respiration. So they're creating more oxidative damage in their body. They need more tissue recovery and repair. They're going to need higher antioxidants. Um, And, you know, big picture, it's kind of this um, pendulum swing or or teeter-totter where the body's constantly dealing with the impact of free radicals and a demand of antioxidants to help the body to, again, bind or neutralize to reduce the harm. Um, And free radicals on a DNA level are very concerning because that can distress our DNA replication or cellular regeneration, which is where we see the enhanced aging expression. And this can impact us on our cell membranes. It can also impact us 
in the sense of the, the visualization, I think, is really strong of the avocado or, or like oxidized metal, right? Like rusting, right? So it's this distress and dysfunction and um, inha- inhibiting the replication and cellular growth and repair function. So you get this kind of debris breakdown um, and it's combined from oxygen exposure as well as chemical exposure and um, the oxidative stress within the metabolic function of the body. Awesome. And we're constantly, like you said, balancing not impact. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> not awesome. Well, not awesome. No, that part's not awesome. Awesome definition. Especially, <laughs> yeah. When you think of like the disease states that can sure, be associated sure. with we talk about free radical overload beyond aging, which is like, again, the vanity piece of the puzzle or chronic fatigue or, you know, truly low antioxidants can drive um, metabolic stalls. So like weight gain could be based on low antioxidant capacity. But we also see, of course, chronic illness like cancer, neurological conditions like Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's. Um, and then we do see, like I said, the heart disease, the ocular conditions, and even things like respiratory distress, like asthma, and then GI distress, like leaky gut, and blood sugar metabolism issues like diabetes. Okay. So literally impacting every system of the body, every organ of the body, and no, right. not awesome. Not even Unawesome. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of awesome, guys. Um, so. Yes. Really, it's it's about that balance that we're constantly, you know, getting exposed to or creating these free radicals, and then we're constantly having to kind of battle it out with antioxidants. Um, let's talk a little bit more about a couple other sources of free radical exposure, like where else we get exposed to them. Sure. So you mentioned so, smoking is an obvious one. Yes. Yep. Smoking and environmental toxins are huge. So depending on your exposure to environmental pollutants, like a lot of engineers working in plants, like in Houston, I think of exposure, right, to industrialized machinery and things like that. Or, um, you know, individuals in the agricultural business being exposed to, of course, runoff chemicals if it's not an organic farm. Um, so chemical exposure is big as well as in our cosmetic world, right? So people that are working or constantly getting um, their nails done or working in a nail salon or doing adhesives for eyelashes and things like that. Um, Chemical exposure is a huge piece of the puzzle. And then as I mentioned, our actual bodily function, breathing, digestion, and especially extra stressed if we're doing overtraining or exercise, like our marathon runners, that's upregulating oxidative stress or free radical exposure. We can see in the diet, um, oxidized fats, poor quality polyunsaturated fats in the diet, like from our corn oil, our soybean oil, our canola oil, um, and uh, cottonseed oil, um, all of these, which we do not recommend, can drive more free radical exposure as well as excessive intake of sugar and refined carbohydrates. Those are going to distress our metabolic process, which is going to yield more free radicals. And then even things like, of course, cancer treatment or radiation beyond cancer treatment, the radiation exposure can create free radicals. And that's the controversy of things like you know, microwave, cell phone, as much as we can reduce our radiation is helpful and like opting out of excess x-rays and things like that, that's going to create cellular damage, which would drive free radical exposure. 
Let's see, did I miss any? And then and then stress, I think, is an important piece to note. Um, so even emotional stress itself can drive oxidative damage in the body and not getting ample sleep, which often pairs hand in hand, will deplete our antioxidants, driving free radicals. Okay, cool. So we've already kind of alluded to this, but let's talk about that structure and, and function and mechanism of action of antioxidants before we move on, or I guess um, maybe say it in a different way than we already did. (laughs) Yeah. So like the reduction of the browning or the rust, the antioxidants are going to find those free radicals, which are unstable, and they're going to donate an electron, which is going to neutralize them and stop them from causing harm. They're sequestering that damaging effect. And then a lot of antioxidants, as I mentioned, like if we're talking about those that are like, for instance, cysteine, um, which is a precursor for glutathione. A lot of the antioxidant-rich foods, like if we think of our cruciferous vegetables, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, they're going to be able to both scavenge these free radicals or reduce the free radical damage by donating that electron, but then they also will upregulate phase two detoxification. So we get an awesome two-for-one there where we get the muted effect and the removal of the irritant or the damager from our system. Awesome. Now that part is awesome. I have to say. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, do any of you time out? Do any of you listeners do a drinking game when Becky says awesome? Oh no! I think it would be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just passionate about what we do. I'm going to have to no, find I a different know. word um, other than too. awesome. What's I'm yours? Not it. I love. I don't know. Mine used to be. I only did it when I was on Fox. So when mm-hmm. I did the TV segments, I think I would say absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes but see, that. we're in we're in different <laughs> modes. I'm just answering things, so I don't have to have a filler. It's all good. <laughs> awesome is better awesome. than it's better than um. um so. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, we're a work in progress, guys. So bear with always us. we're real. No editing. No time for editing. Um, so let's talk about a couple different kind of areas of need, or uh, I guess top conditions where we'll see increased demand of antioxidants. And I will say, you know, for your listeners, the rabbit hole of antioxidant related research studies out there is like vast and deep. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very deep, like deeper than we're going to go today. We'll just kind of glaze over some of the more interesting highlights of the study, but let's start off with, with heart disease and, and the cardiovascular system. Right. And, you know, as we said in last episode, a lot of the misinformation there on antioxidants, like poor vitamin C often gets a beating mm-hmm. <laughs> and isn't acknowledged as, as much as it should be. So as always with research, we have to look at corporate funding and, and interest. But there's a lot of really promising studies on the use of antioxidants. And the first category I'd start with is cardiovascular health. And uh, chicken and egg relationship with cardiovascular health and antioxidants is in conversation of CoQ10. So coenzyme Q10 is an antioxidant that is um, going to play a huge role with the um, function of cardiovascular system. We've seen in studies uh, that supplementation of CoQ10 can reduce oxidative stress and increase antioxidant enzyme activity in patients with coronary artery disease. And um, they looked at a study where they used 60 milligrams or 150 milligrams 
and 150 milligrams was the dose that had efficacy. Um, at 150 milligrams, they saw a decreased oxidative stress and increased antioxidant enzyme activity. Um, we think of uh, arrhythmia as a sign of CoQ10 depletion. So if you're someone that's experiencing arrhythmia or irregular heart rate, supplementing with CoQ10 would be a good consideration. And anyone, the chicken and egg piece of this is when you're taking a statin drug, be mindful that the HMA-CoA reductase uh, is going to be inhibited um, by the pathway, that pathway, HMO-CoA reductase, which is where the statin drug blocks that production of cholesterol, is that same biochemical pathway in which CoQ10 is manufactured in the body. So if you're taking a statin drug, you need to be taking at least 150 milligrams of CoQ10. And that's, Becky, really important too, because a lot of studies that show no efficacy aren't using enough of an adequate sure. dose to make an impact. So it's like totally um, fault, fake news, right? It's like, oh, well, this didn't work at a minuscule dosage. Well, mm -hmm. duh. <laughs> um, so I think that's always important to take into account the, the dosage when we're looking at if it's effective. And yes, all people on statin drugs should be on a CoQ10. I'm hoping by the new year, I'm going to private label a CoQ10 at 200 milligrams because that's a big one that I'm constantly prescribing. And so keep an eye out for that. But we can we can put a link to a favorite. Yes. And beyond heart disease, you know, talking about mitochondrial function and brain function, I think totally. we'll be pretty hard in those two episodes on Alzheimer's that we'll be linking to. There are, you know, widespread effects of CoQ10 beyond just cardiovascular. Absolutely. Gum disease, so many things for sure. So it, it is, it's the fuel to our mitochondria. And we know that, that that's so important for optimal function in the body. Another category that I would think of for cardiovascular disease is anthocyanin. So the plant-based pigments in the purple and um, red category, there was a study done on heart disease risk with middle-aged women looking at blueberry and strawberry consumption. And they did find that three servings a week minimum of blueberries and strawberries had 32% reduced risk of heart attack. And the proposed mechanism is that the anthocyanins, those purple antioxidants, benefit the endothelial lining of the circulatory system. So they can potentially prevent plaque buildup in the arteries, as well as promote healthy blood pressure. So if you're someone whose cholesterol has elevated with the ketogenic diet, you know, first things first, we want to look at your LDL particle before you freak out and throw off the, the baby with the bathwater. But you can always be proactive and consume anthocyanin rich foods as well. Um, and that could be something that could still work with your high fat, low carb diet and play a significant role in disease production, prevention, excuse me. Cool. And then what's great about that study is it's, you know, it's a diet study. Um, so we're seeing impact just from, you know, doing blueberries and strawberries in the diet um, versus like a concentrated supplement. So, you know, we'll talk more, I think, about the synergistic properties of foods versus supplements in a little bit, but just kind of cool to call out that that one is just based on food. Yeah. And then vitamin C, if we're talking about the power of produce, you know, vitamin C is one of those nutrients that's really only available in plants. And um, vitamin C has been shown in 
higher consumption levels um, from produce like vegetables, herbs, spices, and citrus and berries um, to have a 50% reduced risk of stroke. Um, That was a disease specific to stroke. So a lot of uh, antioxidant capacity impact probably on that pathology there. Okay. And then beyond the cardiovascular system, and I do think we touched on this one quite a bit, but I want to call out a couple more specific studies and, and nutrients of focus with Alzheimer's. Yes. So with Alzheimer's disease, again, we were talking about the ages or the advanced glycation end product, the tarry plaque um, that we see with like tau protein and oxidative damage plays a huge mechanism within the dysfunction of the brain um, and the cognitive function. And um, so we're always looking at enhancing vascular function. We're looking at vasodilators and compounds that are going to reduce that tarring effect or that, that pathology. So we've seen in studies higher intake of foods that are rich in vitamin E to have a influence on reduction of long-term risk for dementia. And we can definitely see that in our nuts and seeds. So great tool there. And then a great um, nutrient in supplement form and food is alpha lipoic acid. Uh, So 600 milligrams of alpha lipoic acid taken for 12 weeks was in a study where they did a follow-up at 48 months And they did observe a progression of disease with active Alzheimer's patients to be dramatically lower um, with those that were taking the alpha lipoic acid compared to those that were uh, just taking the same drug or no treatment. They had a couple different um, groups there. So it is a water and fat soluble antioxidant. And one of its highest um, mechanisms is that it's neuroprotective, but it also helps us to metabolize sugar. So it helps with the the um, muscle upregulation of sugar metabolism or carbohydrate metabolism. So we don't get as much of that glycation or sugar buildup on the cellular level. Awesome. So yeah, that's when we also see um, in studies of diabetes and things along insulin resistance lines and, and all of that as well. Yeah. And alpha lipoic acid, I think of also with the MS population sure, because yeah, yeah. it does work with neurological function. So when we're dealing with neuropathy or dysfunction on a nerve level, that alpha lipoic acid can actually regenerate the myelin sheath. Um, so a really powerful tool with neurological function across the board beyond cognitive and Alzheimer's. Awesome. And then cancer, you guys get to drink again if you're playing that game, (laughs) but it is awesome. (laughs) It's so true. Uh, So for cancer, I love this one because there's, there's controversy. We'll open up a can of worms here. So uh, retinoic acid, which is the animal form of vitamin A um, has been shown as a potent, uh, fighter against lung, prostate, breast, ovarian, bladder, oral, and skin cancers. We've seen um, suppression of tumor activity by retinoic acid, the active form of the animal form of vitamin A. So um, there's a couple different studies that show that as a benefit, and I'll I'll put that as a space bar and talk about other benefits, and then we'll open up the world of of beta carotene because I think that's important to touch on for sure. So 
Beyond retinoic acid and vitamin A, we've seen beneficial studies on vitamin C. In fact, that's in a lot of the IV cocktails that are used um, in synergy as an adjuvant or an alternative treatment in cancer care, um, along with glutathione. So like a Myers cocktail, for instance, um, we're looking at IV doses of glutathione and vitamin C. And there is so much on glutathione in cancer projections progression and um, chemo resistance and how glutathione can support liver function um, and how glutathione can prevent muscle wasting. Um, glutathione can regulate tumor growth and it can play a role in detoxifying the system from the buildup of, of cancer drugs that can have negative impact or drive the symptoms of treatment. Now, studies that are well uh, developed will show that, because the concern is, well, won't glutathione detox the chemo and you're taking the chemo to kill the cancer? So that's a bad thing. Well, well-developed studies will actually show that glutathione can actually enhance the therapeutic response to chemo while reducing the drug resistance from the cancer and reducing the symptoms or side effects of the chemotherapy. So I find only positive from what I've looked at in my 10 plus years of clinical experience with glutathione, helping to actually independently drive cancer cell death, work as a anti-tumorigenic compound, so killing off tumors, and then helping to work in synergy with chemotherapy. So I think it's a really powerful tool. And I know we'll talk about supplements later, but that's where I have to just call out the cellular antiox at this part of the moment, um, because I think that it's such a powerful tool, uh, both on a daily level for those of us that have antioxidant demand from oxidative distress as exercisers, or again, environmentally or cosmetically, um, but especially for anyone going through cancer care or having a history of cancer or even a strong family cancer uh, risk. Sure. Um, and like you said, so much, I think, controversy around antioxidants and cancer. It's like kind of absurd. Um, and but that's is when... it fun? Like who's funding it? Right. Like, exactly. You know, it's really interesting. Mm. Exactly. But let's talk about this since we've we've touched on it a little bit. You know, um, supplementation is not always in, in terms of like individual antioxidants is not always the way to go. And I think this was seen and, and this example has come up time and time again in multiple studies now, um, but with the beta carotene and lung cancer studies. Yeah, so this is what I do buy into, and I'll explain to you why I still find it to be a reason of understanding mechanism of action with therapeutic orthomolecular supplementation. So I really across the board think that supplementation can be sound and safe in the in cancer care world um, in the varied mechanisms, and one of the big ones being with antioxidant capacity and scavenging free radicals and reducing oxidative damage, as well as directly combating tumor activity. But this study itself um, did look at smokers and former smokers and beta carotene supplementation. So um, it looked at um, an 18% increase in lung cancer an 8% increase of death, and it was a sizable 29,000 uh, male smokers were given 20 milligrams of beta carotene and 50 milligrams of vitamin E. 
Um, and the vitamin E was a particular tocopherol, not a mixed tocopherol. So we're talking about two isolates here. There was a repeat study um, that uh, looked at the, um, again, pretty sizable, um, 22,000 U.S. male physicians, 11% of them uh, were smokers, and it showed no benefit or no harm from taking the beta carotene. So now that wasn't just smokers, only 11% of smokers, but of the smoker population, there was not a higher or lower risk. When I look at the studies, um, there were two, um, another one I didn't mention, both funded by the National Cancer Institute. Um, but both of the National Cancer Institute studies did show that beta carotene and vitamin E as one isolated tocopherol to increase risk of cancer proliferation and death in an individual with lung cancer. Um, I think it's important to note that they were using an isolate and there was no study that showed that beta carotene alone causes lung cancer. It was showing that in the presence of lung cancer, there can be upregulation of expression. Sure. And let's talk about what that means, Allie, for, for it to be a beta carotene isolate, right? A single one of this whole family of carotenoids, which there's like several hundred of, right? Yeah. 700 plus carotenoids. And so some studies identified, you know, back decades ago that beta carotene was the one. And so, uh, you know, supplement industry isolated beta carotene alone. You know, you're never going to find in any of my products just a beta carotene. You're always going to see mixed carotenoids, which is going to include plant-based compounds that include those 700 naturally occurring carotenoids in their whole form. Um, because when we do isolate anything, when we isolate whey protein, when we isolate, again, vitamin E, we always like to look at mixed tocopherols, right? And instead of an isolated tocopherol, because there is a synergy of expression. So all carotenoids, for instance, work very differently, you know, and we all should have a mixed expression. In fact, we probably have right now 10 to 100 different forms circulating through our bloodstream as we speak. And there are varied functions like carotenes have no oxygen atoms. Um, and these are things like lycopene in tomatoes or the beta carotene found in orange carrots. Now, the beta carotene found in orange carrots is also paired with other carotenoids. It's not like carrot only has that one compound. But lycopene and carotenoids can be converted into vitamin A, especially when paired with fat. Um, we see xanthophils, which are in the carotenoid family, and, and these do have oxygenation in them. They have an oxygen atom. And these include things like lutein, and these include things like xanthins and astraxanthin. Astraxanthin is that pink pigment that's in um, wild-caught fish or shrimp. Um, and they've been shown to be 65 times more powerful than vitamin C, 54 times more powerful than beta-carotene and 14 times more powerful than vitamin A. But before you jump on the new kid on the block, again, starting with whole foods first and preventing isolates, I think is a really important approach to get synergistic beneficial effect and not drive a one-stop steam train, which could throw distress in the system. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's to be noted that diet is usually the place to start for that synergy, right? It's like eat a piece Absolutely. of salmon and maybe use some 
lemon juice on top of it and some olive oil in your cooking of it or coconut oil or something like that. Um, and you'll hit a lot of these powerful antioxidants without having to supplement with, you know, one or the other. Um, so there's so, so much information there, even just within the realm of, uh, carotenoids. But before we go further into prevention and reduction of oxidative stress, let's just have a quick word from our new sponsor, CrowdCow. Yes. So we are super stoked to have CrowdCow on for our episode today, and they deliver the very best craft meat from the farm to your table. You actually get to learn the breed, the style of the beef, and you get to virtually meet the small independent ranch who has produced the beef. You get to pick the exact cuts, how you want them, and they deliver it straight to your door. And if you use uh, the backslash naturally nourished, you will get $25 off and free shipping in your first order. So the website is crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, and you'll get $25 off and free shipping in your first order. So CrowdCow's mission is to help people to discover and access the highest quality craft beef and meats, and to bring people together, farmers and consumers, families and friends. And I love that they feature 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef as an option. They also have pastured grain-finished beef, everything from A5 Wagyu from Japan that is fed on a diet of olives <laughs> and more. Um, and it's really, yes, exactly. It really defines craft beef, right? It's not a term <laughs> I've heard before. Uh, but you'll always know what kind of beef you're getting, who actually produced it, where it was raised, how it was raised, and they don't ever work with any kind of industrialized farming structures or CAFO or beef brokers. Yeah, and that's super important because 84% of the beef sold, even a lot of that that's sold as organic, comes from industrialized processes and companies that you know, you, you don't understand the production. And, and when we're talking about in relationship of antioxidants, we know that grass-fed, grass-finished cows are going to have a higher amount of selenium, a higher amount of vitamin E, a higher omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid profile. And when those cows are slaughtered in a less stressful environment, like in a small-scale operation, they're going to have less oxidative stress and inflammation. Yes, total full circle, right? Um, so guys, we know holiday eating is always tough. And this is something that you can treat yourself with in terms of a guilt-free food choice or an amazing gift. It was on both Allie and my personal gift list, wish lists. Yeah. Um, so clean eating, full transparency into where your food came from and why would you ever want to get your meat from somewhere unknown? Um so again, that link is going to be crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished for $25 off and free shipping. And we will include that in our show notes. Yes. Awesome. So back to discussion of antioxidants and um, let's talk about reduction of oxidative stress. So just kind of some of the general ways we yeah. can reduce that free radical formation. It sounds like it's a naturally occurring process that is going to happen, but how do we... Um, take away some of those exogenous influences, I guess, and, and best support our bodies. So I think the first overall kind of dumbed down diet approach is eating the rainbow, right? <laughs> so getting variety within the diet 
um, in color spectrum is going to give us those phyto compounds. Those brightly colored fruits and vegetables are going to have the blend of carotenoids in the orange colored flesh. Uh, we're going to get quercetin in our citrus and our onions and aliums, which also support the detox process. That's a two for one there. All of your leafy greens are going to give us a rich amount of lutein, um, really favorable for eye health, as we know. We can get lycopene, as mentioned, in our tomatoes, resveratrol, and anthocyanins in our berries, our grapes, and can't leave out our, our red wine, <laughs> one of our favorites. And then uh, tea, a really great for that EGCG, another antioxidant-rich compound, and then cacao and herbs and spices. Cacao and herbs or spices are where you really get your best bang for your buck on an antioxidant spectrum. Um, by weight, they're going to have some of the highest antioxidant scoring, which we'll get into in a second. Awesome. And then how about things to, I guess, limit in remove. the diet or lifestyle yeah. things to remove? Yeah. So non-organic produce, and that's the whole concept of like the clean 15 versus the dirty dozen. So you want to reduce your exposure of pesticides, but mind you that when a plant grows in, especially a local farm, maybe not like the mass ag organic, like earthbound organics or whatnot, but when you're getting from a small scale from your farmer's market and you're getting quote unquote ugly produce or produce that has to fight the fight of the seasons and the stressors, they're going to have a higher amount of antioxidants for certain um, because they didn't have that artificial shield. Um, so doing both a limiting of non-organic, which would have the pesticides that could create more free radical distress. Um, and then in the sense, having antioxidants is going to get us more of that antioxidant bioflavonoid and vitamin C that we do see in published literature. So limiting non-organic produce, avoiding, as I mentioned, refined oils, especially trans fats are the ones we really want to watch out for. So those partially hydrogenated fats and the industrialized oils, which are often bleached and centrifuged and highly processed, those create a lot of oxidative damage. Refined sugar and refined grain products also metabolically are taxing, and that's going to create oxidative stress. Then toxins in our environment, making sure we use filtered water and um, using clean cosmetics are really important. So as always, plug for Becky's Beauty Counter, which we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you can always shop with her, which is an indirect way to definitely support the show if you're loving it. Um, and Beauty Counter is going to be cosmetics that are free of hundreds of chemicals that are not tested and regulated, including things like lead. There's lead in so many lipsticks. It's mm -hmm. absolutely disturbing. <laughs> And you uh, eat like that, known, you guys. <laughs> like a known toxin, like a known, you know, like we test for this in infants. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so toxin exposure for sure. Reduction of mental stress and then reduction of excess exercise as a stressor um, are going to be the other pieces of the puzzle as well. Awesome. And, and that exercise one, I have to say, whenever I do a micronutrient panel on an athlete or someone who has done like power lifting or something like that, they're always depleted across the board in yeah. those antioxidants. It's pretty wild. So we'll do, you know, specific antioxidant supplements based on what is seen, but we'll also do something like super turmeric as like a broad yeah. spectrum kind of anti-inflammatory plus potent antioxidant form. And an inflamazyme is a great one for athletes as well, because it has those proteolytic enzymes that break down the tissue inflammation while giving bromelain and turmeric, a lot of the plant botanical uh, high uh, spectrum antioxidants. 
Yes. So there are like so many antioxidants, you guys, we can't name them all in this one. (laughs) (laughs) In this one episode, this is just like the 101 (laughs) quick and dirty. I'm sure there'll be more. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about that um, ORAC scoring that we were mentioning and this idea of scoring certain foods by weight and and measuring antioxidant status. So ORAC stands for Oxygen Radical Absorption Capacity. (laughs) And so there is an ability to look at ORAC levels um, of foods and herbs. And um, the National Institute of Health um, had a a huge research study which looked at top antioxidant foods. And we've listed some of them. In fact, cacao by weight has a very high antioxidant um, ORAC score. The highest nut is pecan. That might be interesting to some of you. So roasted pecans, fantastic antioxidants. So switching up your nut game would be a good idea. Wild berries, um, like wild blueberries, which you can get frozen, um, organic wild berries at most grocery stores versus like the larger blueberries are going to have significantly higher ORAC. And then wild berries in general, like elderberry, um, things that you can harvest within your edibles of your environment. Uh, goji berries are another high one within that world of spectrum. And then uh, cranberries and blackberries, the more tart and tannic, we're going to see a higher ORAC score. And then that opens us up into herbs. Cilantro is one of the highest kind of food herbs, I guess, that I would say, um, as far as one that we'd eat in higher volume. And it also has been known to chelate toxic metals. So again, a two for one where we get detox and a high ORAC score. And then a lot of herbs and seasoning Cloves are the highest, so great time of the year. Maybe we're out of the pumpkin spice latte, but bringing cloves into more regular sipping teas and things. Cinnamon is a common one, which has hundreds of thousands in the OREC score compared to like produce, which has like 5,000. So huge ups on cinnamon, Um, a great thing that you can use daily pretty much on your plain yogurt, um, in your fat bombs. And then oregano was one that we talked about a lot with immune function, but also oregano, basil, and parsley, Italian seasoning, and thyme, great tools. And that could be taken in our candy activator formula for immune support, microbiology support um, on the gut bacteria, but also antioxidant. And then two more that I have to mention, I think I said cacao, but cumin, um, which is a great supporter for glutathione and turmeric, as you mentioned, Becky. Um, that's why we do really well with the super turmeric, which does outnumber both the cumin and the cacao and, and why we see so many awesome studies on the benefit of turmeric and um, why we both take super turmeric daily. Yes. Awesome. And and yeah, the clove and cinnamon too, you can do things like that in savory dishes. I'll have a lamb slow cooker dish, a lamb vindaloo um, that uses a lot of those really nice Indian kind of more potent spices along with cloves and cinnamon. So just finding ways to incorporate those more savory elements and and really upping your antioxidant punch with herbs. Um, And I'll link to that in our show notes. Yes. And then, you know, in our micronutrient episodes, we touch on a lot of the antioxidants. We've done one that's featured already glutathione. So we'll put that in the show notes. And then we've done an episode that's featured alpha lipoic acid already. I don't believe we've done vitamin E, but we have one coming. So we'll do an episode specifically that will um, link to the benefits of vitamin E because we have a ton of geeky information that we don't want to fit into today's episode to overwhelm you guys. (laughs) 
But those would be three. We'll put the show notes for the alpha lipoic acid and glutathione where you can learn on from literally infertility to fatigue to hypertension to uh, sports performance and testosterone balance and hormone expression and so much more the particular mechanisms of action of those three featured antioxidants. Yes. And we also did one on CoQ10. I'll make sure that we link. Yeah. I think that'd be a great resource. I don't know if we hit vitamin C. I feel like we may have, but if not, we'll get there. Don't worry. Um, And I talked about it a lot last episode, like nerded out on it. (laughs) So vitamin C, go back to episode 114, you guys, um, to hear more about um, using it as megadosing or thermolecular support for immune health. All right. So, um, Sounds like the general recommendation from all this is to get as many of our antioxidants from food sources as possible to really capitalize on that synergy of diet. But let's talk about the antioxidants that you would recommend or or what cases you would recommend supplementing with antioxidants to close this out today. Yeah. So like I said, make sure that your multivitamin does not have isolates first and foremost. So like the multi-defense, the multi-avail mama, the multi-avail kids are all going to have blends of carotenoids, um, you know, blends of the nutrients. So you're not worried about an isolate and those are all whole food based nutrients. So make sure your multi is clean. Um, and most multis are going to provide also a, a nice real food blend. Like our multi defense is unique of those lines where it does have, uh, it's like 15 listed, and I think it might be more than that, botanical compounds that bring up that ORAC intake. So that's a really great foundation. And then super turmeric would be my great Food derived, our super turmeric is unique in the sense that it uses dry curcuminoids and turmeric oil. And it's more than four to six times more bioavailable than any other dried curcuminoid that's out on the market. And that's going to really help with both phase two detoxification, the excretion of toxins, and the free radical uh, sequestering. So, awesome full kind of circle hit there. Same as the cellular antiox. That's going to have that glutathione and N-acetylcysteine along with B6. So the building blocks to make that grandmama antioxidant glutathione, as well as the support for liver and detoxification. And if you're an athlete, I would say bar none, you should be on that. Again, or cancer care or um, family risk of cancer. That's one that would be a kind of non-negotiable. And along the lines of phase two detox, I would find the ultimate detox and the reset, restore, renew detox packs or doing a 10 day detox quarterly as a great way to change the oil filter in the tank, support your liver and kidneys in the removal of the already scavenged free radicals and upregulating antioxidant capacity in the body. So great thing to consider the ultimate detox on more of a daily or the 10 day detox packs. And, and considering that detox diet, which is going to really give you focused food as medicine goals to get those phyto compounds and plant-based antioxidants up. Awesome. And then I'd say along dietary um, recommendations, certainly whey protein to bring in as a potent source of that glutathione, again, in a whole food form that also has synergistic immune supporting compounds and is going to help with maintaining lean body mass, especially, you know, for someone in cancer care or something along those lines. Yes. Uh, A non-denatured way, super important, not an isolate again. (laughs) 
And then beyond that, looking at a micronutrient panel, if you you know are somebody who is frequently sick, or quite frankly, if you just want to you know perform optimally and kind of do a, a yearly wellness check on yourself yeah. to make sure you're not showing deficiency in any of the other kind of smaller antioxidants like C or E or something like that. And that would really help us to come up with a targeted supplementation plan of what you actually need versus again, getting into supplementation of isolates or kind of um, that shotgun approach of supplementation. Yes. And, you know, it's really interesting to note that we just um, kind of revamped the way that we do lab access to podcast listeners because the clinic is really filling up, you can now purchase all labs online and you'll get a customized email um, reply from Becky or myself with specific supplement recommendation and explanation of your results, the trends that we see like, oh, it looks like stress might be an issue because we see bees low as well as serine, which metabolizes your cortisol. Um, And so we'll, we'll give you a customized email reply with suggestions concepts, interventions, and it's really great accessibility at a value without having to become a client and get on the wait list and starting your food as medicine journey. And for the micronutrient panel, we specifically give you a table of also uh, symptoms of deficiency that you can identify as well as food as medicine solutions. Yes. Yes. So that'll be an awesome value to all our podcast listeners from here on out. I'll link to the micronutrient panel specifically. Um, However, all of our labs that we talk about all the time on the podcast will now be available in that same way um, as a package that just comes with an email consult that will honestly be full of, (laughs) I know us, it'll be lengthy and full of information and and some really good um, measurable steps that you can take to get outcomes. Um, Any final thoughts here, Allie, on maximizing our antioxidant status to close this out? Yeah. I mean, I think that the eating whole real foods, like you said, and maintaining at a healthy glycemic index is going to be important so that we're not distressing that oxidative damage with the metabolism of refined carbs. So eat whole real foods, get five cups of produce a day as a huge focus. Um, So if you're fat adapted or keto and you're scared of vegetables, get over yourself (laughs) and start eating more produce to get higher antioxidant reduce the oxidative damage and stress by getting adequate sleep. Remember, melatonin is an antioxidant. We talked about that in our insomnia episode. So you might consider the sleep support formula. If you're not getting at least seven hours a night, that's where you really get that autophagy, cellular cleanup, and antioxidant repletion. So getting adequate sleep, moderating and regulating stress, don't smoke, (laughs) reduce your environmental exposure, Participate in a 10-day detox at least semi-annually, and then go back to our Ancestral Health um, podcast and learn more about grounding and some of the ways to reset your environmental stress response so that you can reduce the free radical exposure and regulate that electron transfer from on an environmental level. Awesome. So, so, so many good applicable tips and so much more to come. It sounds like on the topic of antioxidants, because again, there are like a bajillion of them and we barely scratched the surface, Uh, but hopefully we've given you guys a little bit of information in terms of foods to include and supplements that might be beneficial or helpful for revving up your antioxidant status conditions that we might need to focus on more strategic supplementation and more. 
<laughs> Always more, yes. So take a moment and go on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you haven't left a review yet for the Anti-Anxiety Diet book and you have a copy and you're loving it, which I hope you are, uh, please take a moment to go on over to Amazon and leave me a review there as well. That's the best way to share the food as medicine message with the masses. And as always, please share the podcast episodes on your social media page with friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.